This week on Prepping 2.0. The mashup where we've taken Patreon questions about food preps. Specific questions. Very specific questions that go kind of a deep dive. And they're worth a little bit of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And we've married it into the book. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on this show and, of course, co-host in life, Glenn Tate. This episode is all about food preps. It's part two of a two-parter on the topic. We answer Patreon's questions, but in doing so, we're going to touch on how our new book called Food Preps 2.0 addresses particular topics, and we're going to sprinkle in some other things in the book to give you a flavor, see what I did there, for what we're doing in the book. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. One of the great parts of getting your food preps together is the whole layering aspect Mm -hmm. and using certain avenues to getting your food preps up and going. And one of them is freeze-dried foods, bulk freeze-dried foods. It's one of the layers. place to get that taken care of than going to New Mana Foods. How does one spell New Mana? N-U-M-A-N-N-A. Or even better, don't even worry about spelling. Just go over to our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. You'll see them there, as well as receive 10% off your order by using the term prep but they specialize in freeze-dried food to put in your deep preps check they do not goof around top 100 items that disappear first from a list compiled by bosnia survivors it's available at prepping2-0.com on the homepage under top 100 list of things number 45 work boots belts and work clothes that's one of the things for you high fashion guys Mm. and here in montana we don't have any high fashion but for you high fashion people you may not you know, have work boots, you may not have work clothes because the work you do may involve your brain and a keyboard. And so you don't need work boots. You're gonna need outdoor work clothing, even if you don't currently. This is one of the things where we always say that mindset is so terribly important because you have to think something bad could happen. Okay, what does that mean? Well, something bad happening means you may need to um, chop your own firewood. And so you're not gonna be able to do that in your pretty office clothes. A specific note about work boots or boots in general, please, please, please do yourself a favor and break them in in advance. Break them in while you've got the ability to sit down and you know take care of your feet and not try to put on brand new boots and walk 10 miles. That's gonna turn out horribly for you. So that's why we have the top 100 items because it's a great weekly reminder of stuff you may not have thought about. Here's what you missed from a recent after show if you're not a Patreon. Example food preps 2.0 plan. Your plan for all of this. And it's an example of how to do this. There is so much more to this show than the regular show, and you can easily find out what you're missing by simply providing us $2 a month or more as a Patreon. And that place to go and do that is on our homepage, prepping2-0.com, under how to become a prepper. How to become a patron. Yes, yes. how to become a prepper. That's why you're on a website. Yeah, duh, silly me. Announcements, quick notes. We've been talking about expired cards on Patreon for quite a bit because a lot of you, like several hundred of you, to our surprise, have expired credit cards and you're like, why am I no longer getting And then Patreon you send posts? me an email and I'm yeah. like, and I've for the longest time I've been going, I, I don't know. We're not, and just, you know, we love hearing from you, but we are not Patreon tech support. <laughs> and so we can't, we can't help sh- you. I'm not even sure if they know where their tech support is, yeah, to be honest with you. Exactly. Sometimes. We keep mentioning this. It's really important and celebratory, and we thank you. 2.5 million downloads. And as I said last week, that's 2.5 million thank yous. And also, Patreons are going to get the table of contents to our new book, Food Preps 2.0, which should be available approximately February 1st. That's one of the many perks of being a Patreon. You get the appetizer. Mm, Oh, I see what you did there. Food thing. Well, let's set the stage here. Don't you love it when there is a one-stop resource on an important topic? And that would be our new book, Food Preps 2.0. Summarizes everything we've learned from the past 15 years about this topic. It tells you all you need to know about selecting, 
preserving, storing, inventorying, and cooking prep food. We put about three years into writing this, and doggone it, it shows. And before we get into the first question, no, this isn't going to be all about how awesome the book is, because what we have done is done a mashup where we've taken Patreon questions about food preps and they're pretty specific questions, very specific questions that go kind of a deep dive and they're worth a little bit of a conversation Mm -hmm. and we've married it into the book where what's crazy is that people have very specific questions about food preps and we've answered them in our book and we've referenced that. So we're kind of doing a mashup here. Great example. The first question, which Shelby will get into in earnest is about vacuum sealers. So we're going to answer the question and then we're going to say, uh, here's, an overview of what we say in the book about vacuum sealers. So it'll let you know what we cover, which is everything you need to know. So Shelby, what is our first question about vacuum sealers? Pam asks, what is your favorite vacuum sealer? And I'm going to be really honest with you. (laughs) I've only ever tried one brand and it's Food Saver. Mm -hmm. And here's a couple of cool things about Food Saver. Well, three things. One, they are always updating their machinery. Significant upgrades. Right. So the vacuum sealer that I bought a year ago will be different than the one that's available now. The second cool thing- Slight like ergonomic difference. It's like a slicer and that kind of stuff. Not like different size bags. Right, right. They make it so that you can just keep on, because they do have a life cycle. This is a machinery that has a heating element and has some pretty good parts to it. And we have been very happy with our food saver life cycle wise. We got 10 years- out of our first food saver. Well, we both brought a food saver to the marriage. and It's then called we, a dowry in many countries. <laughs> and then we bought another one. And all three of those lasted a long time. Then we had to buy another one. And that one's lasted a long time. I right. mean, they, The only one that hasn't lasted is the one that I use primarily before the marriage yep. for about 10 years. Yeah. So very happy on quality right. and durability. So the next thing is, though, when you need a new one, just wait. They go on sale about once a quarter at Costco. Mm-hmm. That's the extent of our purchases with Food Saver vacuum seal things. Now, that being said, if you go to their website, Food Savers, the brand name, they have all kinds of them that are battery operated so you can take them out hunting with you. So you I can, did not know that. You can pack meat as you're dressing an animal. Mm. There's some amazing like higher end ones out there. We've not tried those, clearly. Another great thing about Food Saver, and by the way, this is not saying other ones are bad. Oh, we, yeah. we have no experience with exactly. other ones. So we so, want to be honest. But we're just telling you why we like our Food Saver besides the durability. They're available at Costco, which means bags are available in gigantic quantities at Costco. And they're and, on sale all the time. Exactly. And it's a pretty significant savings mm-hmm. when they're on sale. So you're always going to have bags. The gun analogy would be, oh, I got this really cool gun. It's a 327. Uh, okay, well, where do you get ammunition for it? The bags are the ammunition. And and <laughs> yeah. Food Saver is the nine millimeter of vacuum sealers. So uh, there was an answer to this question. Brian jumps in with a link to avidarmor.com, one of their chamber vacuum sealers. I'm just reading, kind of pulling information out of the hyperlink there. but And he says not cheap, but worth its weight in gold. So I'm not going to go clicking over there, but there's other brands out there. If you're a patron, you might check out that link. You can certainly spend a lot of money on vacuum sealers. We really haven't. And we've been happy with kind of your run of the mill, you know, off the shelf kind of brand. So just to answer your question, Pam. One feature that's really nice. I'm not sure it could be standard by now, but one feature that is worth noting is I call it the no scissors model. I'm not sure what it's really called, but it's basically a cutter like, you know, like it cuts that cuts your bag. So you don't need to get out scissors and do it, which can cause problems because you're then you're like holding onto a bag with one hand and the scissors with the other. It's not a pure convenience thing. It is also very helpful because the bag stays in place when you're using the sliding and that, cutter thing. And I, th- and I think on the older models, that was the case. But yeah, I think on the newer models, it's standard, honestly. It's, yeah. it's kind of like when I got a new truck, I was like, holy smokes, what are all these cool features? I, I didn't have these on my are, 12-year-old truck. Exactly. And everyone's like, uh, these are standard. This is just how trucks are built now. So yeah, the internal cutting thing, which- It's a little slider. It's a little, little slider. The cutting slider. Zing, zing, done. Yeah. Zipped. How about Richard in Wisconsin? He asks, should one prefer traditional sealed canned goods over pull tab cans? Go Glenn. I will certainly go. This is covered in the book 
Oh, amazing. Isn't it that all these really pertinent questions that people have on their mind are covered in the book? Uh, affirmative. So yes, one should prefer. I like the word prefer. We'll get into that in a moment. Traditional sealed cans, meaning store-bought cans, you know, like can of corn Canned or whatever. food. Yeah. Over pull tabs. The reason is the pull tabs have uh, scoring, I believe is the word. They're kind of they're thinner around the edge because that's how the pull top works. And so when they're thinner, there's a little line cut. They I don't think. last as long. Yeah. And if you put weight on them, they're more likely to burst. And let me tell you, traditional, you know, regular cans of food, you got to put a lot of weight on them for them to burst. I mean, they're pretty thick. It's, Negative 30 degrees works. Yeah, that'll do it. I mean, <laughs> we talked about that last episode, but it's a really big deal in my opinion, not to get pull tabs. Now I noted the word prefer, and there's a lot of significance to that word. And that is because it should be a preference to get traditional ones over pull tab ones. If you have pull tab cans of tuna is typically what it is, don't throw them out. They're perfectly fine. It's just, it would be better for very long-term storage. We're talking like three, four, 10 years, something like that to have traditional ones over pull tab cans. By all means, get pull tab cans. And one of the places you're gonna find pull tab cans for very little money is dollar stores. Because a lot of the dollar store stuff is designed to be like, you know, like a little can of tuna fish you have in your lunchbox or work or whatever you do that you can like easily open so you don't need a can opener. Don't even get me started on can openers. You guys know all the stories about me and can openers and how important they are. And so they're often kind of single serving kind of setups. And that is a dollar store special, although now with Biden, it's probably the $5 store. But anyway, you can get them a lot of cool stuff there. Another good use for pull tab cans and this is covered in the book also, is uh, what we call homeries. Why, that's a term I've never heard before. That's the point. We made it up. You know, you have MREs, Meals Ready to Eat. Well, I just added HO to it because it sounded cool. And it's homemade MREs, homeries. And they are, as the name implies, homemade MREs. They don't last 15 years. They're not irradiated. They don't have like the ultra packaging. They're things like a pull tab can of tuna. And the reason the pull tabs need is you don't need a can opener out in the field. And everything you need for a homery is contained in typically a Ziploc bag. And so the pull tab of tuna, whatever it may be, is perfect because you don't need a can opener. So consider that, but understand that there's a preference that you should have. Well, and let me add to that. Let's think back to the spring of COVID. What was that? Spring of 2020? Yeah. Oh, gosh. We're coming up on four years. Ooh. I'm so glad. Anyway, so we did what a lot of people did. We went out and kind of stocked up our preps. While we were sent home from work, we prepped. And speaking of a Dollar Tree food, grocery outlet, same, oh, same kind it. of- Also covered in the book. Also covered in the book. We went there a lot to get stocked up on canned items. And there were several times where like, those are pull tabs and those are not. Okay, those things with pull tabs. Artichokes. No, we're not going to mm. use those a whole lot in the next three to five years. Might be in a homery if you're really jonesing right. for artichokes I mean, if it's out a, in the field. This is how I gauge yeah. our preference. If it's something we're not going to use immediately, like mm -hmm. if it's canned tomatoes, probably going to use it because I use that in soups and chilies and things like that a lot. I don't mind if those are pull tab. I don't mind if tuna's pull tab because we eat tuna. We have tuna sandwiches and tuna salad fairly often. But if it's something, dog food, we use dog food a lot. Our dog food mm -hmm. comes with pull tabs. I use that all the time. So when you think about that word preference, think about when you're standing there at the store and something's super on sale or something like that, it's pull tabs. Just let that be part of your decision-making process. I said I wouldn't talk about can openers. I cannot resist. Go for it. In high school, I went hiking. It was fun. And I got lost, which was not fun. And I had a bunch of canned food with me, which was cool. I forgot my P38, which is a little keychain army uh, oh, those can are, opener. Oh, those are awesome. My dad that, always had one on his keychain. Yeah, that's right. They came from sea rations, which yep. were combat rations, which were canned food. And so it was a little like one use, although they last forever, can opener. It's teeny. It's the size of two postage stamps. So idiot me didn't bring a can opener. And there I was lost and really thirsty. And so I ended up banging on a rock, a can of peaches, which didn't turn out well. I managed to get a little, after banging for a long time, get a little 
tear in the top thing. And I would drink out of the can drips of peach juice, which was not the most satisfying thing because I needed about a gallon of water at that point and I got about, you know, half a pint. So having lived through not having a can opener. Well, and I, we've experienced together trying to open a can of dog food in Moses Lake, Washington without yeah, can, without a can opener. Without a can opener. Yeah. What did I use? A screwdriver? Yeah. I think we used a screwdriver. We're standing amongst three different truck stops and we could not find a can opener. Yeah. I'm just that like, oh, so we'll go, just go get one. Yeah. We'll go get one. One of these places have to have it. I mean, truck drivers need can openers. No, they use pull tabs. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So there you go. There you go. So you got to have can openers yes. and canned food traditionally canned food is practically useless without a can opener. Mm -hmm. So factor that in. All right. So Richard in Wisconsin asks another question. This is an interesting question. I've tried to think about what he's thinking as he types this. What is the best way to cook bacon? What is the best? And he goes on. What is the best way to preserve cooked bacon? Vacuum sealed and frozen, canned or question mark, food storage and food preparation are not two separate topics. Amen. If one doesn't know how to prepare the food they have stored, it is useless. Therefore, are we going to do a separate episode on food preparation? That was your teaser. Let me do a quick shout out to our awesome sponsors. You can find all of them at prepping2-0.com. Click on friends and affiliates. Over there, you will find survival garden seeds. Oh my gosh, they have heard from me a lot lately because I am buying seeds. Pro One Water Filters. Check water preparation off your box. Come and take it, Armor. Katie Armor gets you situated with your home defense. Backwoods Home Magazine. EMP Shield protects your car and your home from a CME or EMP. Paul Burke Realtor. You can find him at Paul Burke with an E at idhomesearch.net as well as Podcast Access. All the brains and mm-hmm. and energy behind the show you're listening to mm-hmm. right now. Is it Podcast Access? All right. So let's break apart. Bacon. Bacon. Bacon, bacon, bacon. All right. What is the best way to cook bacon? Honestly, my mind, air fryer. Why? Keeps the grease from spreading all over your kitchen. Done. Cook bacon. You can cook bacon about 12 different ways, and I don't think any one of them is better than the other. It's what works for you. What you're trying to do is get the fat out of your bacon. There's one that's not good, and that would be wrapping bacon in aluminum foil and putting it on your engine block and driving around. Did you do that? No. Why would you? All I've right, seen so, it happen. So I think Richard's question more is, um, what is the best way to preserve right. cooked bacon? Yes. Here's the thing. Bacon, by definition, has a preservative in it. If it's done right, it's been cured, most likely salted. So if you have cooked the majority of fat out of it, I think the best way to preserve it is freeze drying it. A hundred percent. Now, here's something about, and we mentioned this in the last episode, freeze drying bacon. Things that are high in fat, like bacon, Mm -hmm. don't freeze dry, really. They don't get down to the frozen and the drying level. So when she says, if you've cooked most of the fat out of it, she means that very sincerely. If there is very little fat in it, and I don't know what that measuring, you know, mark is, Mm -hmm. but if there's not a lot of fat in it, you can freeze dry it. But if it's got like more. And this is soft. where you have to you experiment. Need to, you need to cook it till it's crisp. It can't be soggy and bendy and good for yeah. BLTs. It's got to be crisp. Yes. And so and then freeze drying would be best. You can can bacon. You can home can it like in jars. Mm-hmm. You can buy store-bought canned bacon. You can yes. freeze raw bacon. I think if you froze cooked bacon, it may, I don't know. But I think it'd be okay. I think if it'd be it, okay. I think it'd freeze well because it does freeze dry well. I'm telling you this mm-hmm. right now from experience. Yes. Right. So those are some thoughts on that. Have layering, have mm-hmm. different kinds of bacon preserved different ways. And so maybe you have an abundance of natural gas or electricity or firewood or whatever it is, and you can preserve it raw, like in the freezer, and then cook it. But maybe you don't have a heat source. And then you're going to need to have freeze dried it and then reconstitute it with water. Another way to eat bacon, and notice I didn't say cook it. So you've cooked the bacon. Another way to eat it that is prep friendly is to have it be an ingredient in other stuff. For Mm -hmm. example, crumbled bacon in the scrambled eggs that you freeze dry. Mm -hmm. Crumbled bacon that is cooked and frozen and you put some of it in whatever because bacon is magic and it's delicious. It goes in absolutely everything. Maybe not yogurt, but everything else. And by the way, if you're prepping and have a bunch of yogurt, you're weird. I mean, that is not a prep food. I can categorically say that. Anyway, yeah. And I love your point about food storage and food preparation 
are not two separate topics. Why do I love that statement? Number one, it's true. Number two, we address that in the book. We have stuff about storage and preservation and all of that stuff. And then stuff about food preparation. And it's not cook to 160 degrees. That's not what we're talking about, about the food preparation tips in the book. It's about meal plans and variety and figuring out how to take prep food that you can open that might have a counter life of two days or something like that and making a bunch of stuff with those similar ingredients and then having a meal plan with that and then going on to the next thing. It's more than just, as I say, a cook to 160 degrees. I think we've answered this question where I'm a little mystified, and you might have to help me out, Glenn. He says in the final statement, are you going to do a separate episode on food preparation? Mm, Preparation meaning preparing the food. Hmm. I'm going to be... I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because to me, I hear a cooking show. I hear... Mm -hmm. What Rachel, I, Rachel Ray. Right. What I hear in my mind, and I'm not trying to, I'm certainly not trying to, I don't want to blow off your question, Richard. I'm afraid I'm doing that. I want to, whatever food I put in my preps for long-term storage, I need to make sure I get it to the point where it's ready for long-term storage. That's canning. So if I'm going to prepare a piece of meat, let's just say I've gone hunting and I have meat. I need to make sure I'm doing it correct to go into long-term storage. My choices are with that, because it's meat, pressure canning, Mm -hmm. cooking, then freeze-drying. That's kind of it. Maybe freezing, Mm -hmm. regular freezing. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's going to be very different than tomatoes. Right. Tomatoes are hot water bath, freezing, home canning, freeze-drying. You know what I mean? So I have to consider what the food is first to get it to... Long-term storage. Sounds like you've planned things and you have a system. Right. And so, again, Richard, I'm hoping we're answering your question correctly. Our food preps book, I think, will be a great resource for you. And that's why we called it food preps, by the way, Mm -hmm. and not just food storage or food preservation. It's the food element of your preps and all that that entails from having the food, storing the food, cooking the food. We even get into how to get rid of waste and how Mm -hmm. to keep a sanitary kitchen. And it's not as simple as you think, especially when you're in an austere environment. But what I do hope is that what you're hearing is that from start to finish, we're going to get you to kind of what I just did. How many calories do we need? Let's make a plan. Let's make a plan for our home, our community, whoever we're prepping for. What do we eat? What do we like to eat? Now, what food are we going to obtain and how are we going to get it to long-term storage? And we have about a minute until the break, but I wanted to add this very important point to what Shelby just said. Not only do we get you there, as she describes, you will inevitably find gaps. And let's say you're a prepping 2.0 person. You've got all kinds of food preps. You're really advanced, which Mm -hmm. is awesome. You will. I kind of think you are by what I I know about you. Yeah. What you're going to find from this book is there are gaps that you never saw because you haven't looked at this holistically like we do in this book. So even if you're an advanced prepper with great food preps, you're going to get a lot out of this book. If nothing else, you'll be able to say, nailed it. Got that right. Yep. That was a good idea. I just came to me naturally, but turns out that was a great idea. But I will say we have like 10 seconds. Bacon's a tricky one. High in fat and it's a meat. That's a tricky one. Things that are high in fat don't preserve well. So hear that as a principle. Things that are high in fat don't preserve well because fat goes rancid quickly. When I say quickly, within a year or so. So on that happy, Mm -hmm. lovely, thinking about rancid meat note... Mm. We have so much more to talk about on the other side of the break, folks. Don't go away. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 All-in-One Gravity Systems are NSF ANSI 42 Component Certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One Stainless Gravity Systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. 
One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome, everyone. Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started with our conversation about food prep. So we're kind of not. This is part two of a two-part program series. So we're, we're continuing. We're it. continuing is a better word. For even more, though, stick around for the after show, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. How are you going to protect all this food that you have so painstakingly accumulated and stored and all of your systems for preparing it? Because you know that that's going to be a pretty hot topic. I mean, people are going to want what you have. Gibbs Arms, G-I-B-B-Z, Arms, GibbsArms.com, Gibbs Arms YouTube channel. You can see some very innovative, very cool, and very practical AR platform weapons that... um, You'll see what I'm talking about. They would really come in handy to protect your stuff. Archive Dive. This is where we go back in time and we look at previous episodes in our archives. Because a lot of you are new listeners and you may not know about all the awesomeness that there's been in the past. Example would be episode 108, which aired on November 2020. And it's on relocating to a Western state. And our guest was a Montana realtor. It's not about Montana. You know, we're always talking about Montana, but it's about if you want to relocate to a Western state. And there were some specific things about Western states in this episode, stuff you want to consider. So it would apply to Montana, Idaho. You can call Paul Burke about that. Utah, Wyoming, North and South Dakota. I consider that the West. Oklahoma. One, honestly, 
Kansas. Get out of blue states. Get out of blue if, states. When you hear us brag about Montana, what you need to hear is us bragging about red states. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that is episode 108 in our archive dive. Now we resume our Patreon questions. Resume or resume? I think it's resume because there's no little dash, little no. flippy things on the top of the E's like resume. What are those? Umat? Accents? No, that's not an That's umat. not Umat. That's like Motley Crue. It's not an ampersand. Nope. It's a pizzazzer nazzer. <laughs> All righty. So let's keep going here. Okay. Brian says, am I the only person that has problems with gamma lids? Seems like I have had several failures. If you stack them, the lid will crack from the weight of the buckets above the bottom bucket. If you tighten them, you had better recheck after a few months because they will need retightening. And the part that snaps on the bucket is prone to snapping as well. I've not had problems with regular old bucket lids. I don't think the gamma lids are worth the price. There's a response to that. But before we get that, thoughts on gamma lids. I don't know much about them. We long ago went down a path. I mean, I know some about them and there's stuff in the book. We went down a path of Costco tubs, as we call them, the 27-gallon ones. They're black with yellow lids. They're fabulous. By the way, this also is in the book, don't mix and match black tubs from different stores. If you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, they have 27-gallon tubs. And they look the same. And they look the same, but they have different dimensions. By so like the a lids, half an inch. Yeah, so the lids won't fit. So when you're picking out your tubs, Go in for a particular type and don't stray from and a, that. And a brand. And a brand. So back the, to gamma lids. Back to gamma lids. I've heard the same thing. And we actually had the discussion when we merged our two households. What should we use? You had already started the yellow tub thing. I was Costco thinking, tubs. Costco tubs. I was liking the idea of gamma lids, but they're like five bucks a lid. So get they do get a little pricey. You can find them for cheaper. I liked the idea of the tubs better because they stack pretty well. I'll say this. They do have a burst limit. 600 and some pounds. And you have to stack up five, maybe six tubs on top of it full of number 10 tins, which weigh about 110 pounds. So let's go conservative and say you could have one on the bottom and five up there. So you could have them six high without the bursting. Now, that's... When they're new, if they're frozen and they get brittle, they will burst more readily. So rule of thumb. We've been there. Oh, during yeah. the move to Montana, there was that one. You, were you there for when we unloaded the truck? And there's the one that was busted and everyone's like, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> yeah, they will. So that being said, yeah, I recommend maybe finding something else. However, the comment that somebody came in with was Pam comes in and says, I only use gamelids for readily accessible things like sugar, rice, flour, dog food with the extras and regular sealed lids. No stacking stored in a house pantry. So what she's got is kind of a pantry where they're lined up on the floor. She can get in and out of them fairly easily. These are for your basic pantry. These are not for deep preps. And when we were doing the book... It was one of these things where we have to address gamma lids mm -hmm. and buckets in general. There are round yes. buckets, you know, Home Depot buckets with round lids that maybe that's what you're talking about. There are square buckets and round buckets. And it's like, we need to address this because some people use them. Right. And there's a Costco tub bias in this book. I'm yes, just going to be honest. <laughs> and on the show. And on the show. We acknowledge that buckets are what a lot of people use. The advantages to buckets are that they hold less stuff. Why? Why is that an advantage? Because there's you can pick it up and carry it. Yeah. The buckets that we have. I'm sorry, not the buckets. Tubs. Let me just say this. Downside to using tubs. When you put eight number 10, 10 cans of chili in them. 16. 16. Oh, my. It weighs over 100 the, pounds. Oh, it's more than that. It's more like 200 or two. It's, it is stupid how heavy those things are. I have had four teenagers pick one of those up and say, what do you have in here? Gold bars? I mean, holy cow. No, we totally don't. What, but listen, to the integrity is still there. But two, they are move it once. Yeah. There's no, hey, let's rearrange the cabinet today. You know, no. No, no, no. You know what would be cool is if you had some deep preps in tubs that were too heavy to move easily, and you had some preps in buckets that were easier to move. What would that be called, Shelby? That would be called our storage area because we have that. It would that. be called layering. Yes, it would. Layering. And a, yeah. a good example of that is in our storage yeah. because we actually do have a lot of things that are in buckets. Yeah. Um, they tend to be the freeze-dried food stuff that comes already in buckets. Which is already light. And that's another cool thing about freeze-dried food mm -hmm. is it's light. And if you're going to have 
a five gallon bucket, whether it's square or round of freeze dried food, that's super easy because mm-hmm. number one, it's light. And number two, you don't need an amazing seal because it's already sealed in a Mylar bag. Exactly. And so, and there's people though that, and I'm sure it works because it works for these people and they've eaten it. I've seen the videos, by the way, go to YouTube. It's going to be good for you on this. Well, YouTube is a great thing on something like this. But they have buckets where they've put, you know, oatmeal in a Mylar bag and put oxygen absorbers or CO2, which takes out all the oxygen. And they've sealed the Mylar bags and they've opened them up 10 years later or whatever they say. I'm sure they're not making it up and they eat it and they don't die. So it can work, but how to make it work? I don't know. I would say this, and this is obvious, but maybe it's a good time to mention it. Probably the more expensive lids are probably the better ones. The more expensive buckets are probably the better ones. Do I know that to be true? No. You know, here's a prepping peeve, pet peeve that I have. And that is everybody goes online and talks about how cheap the buckets they got were. For example, they'll say, I got frosting buckets and they were just giving them away. Well, that's great. But now your oatmeal is going to smell like frosting, which is, I think about it is not terrible, but you get the point that put some money. This is also covered in the book. Put some money into your storage systems because what you're storing could be worth a lot. I mean, if you had cash, let's say, would you put it in some, you know, shoe box that, and it gets crushed or it gets eaten by moths or something like that? No, you would take a teeny percentage of what it is that you're protecting, the value that you're protecting, and you would put it in a way to protect it. Because if you didn't, no one would ever buy gun safes. So we obviously are willing to spend, you know what? I just thought of that. We're obviously, this is guys now, we're willing to spend two, three, four thousand $4,000 on a gun safe, but we want to get our five-gallon buckets that hold our food for free that smell like chocolate frosting. That doesn't make any sense to me. You have to put money in this. It's a system. Mm-hmm. It's not just the food costs. Now, the food costs the majority of the system, no question about it, but don't cheap out. And you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to talk about the price of beans per pound. It's in the book also. And I've mentioned this before, but it's a good time to bring it up. People amaze me. Preppers amaze me. And not everyone, just a handful of them, especially those that seem to post about it. They will say, I got beans for 39 cents a pound and they were 42 cents a pound in one pound bags. Get the one pound bags. It's three cents. Now I'm making these numbers up, but it's illustrative purposes only. It's three cents a pound and with the one pound bags, you get number one variety. And number two, you get a small serving size. You would say vacuum seal it in its original packing. And now it's a one pound thing. Plus when you have a recipe or crock pot instructions or Instapot instructions that say add one pound of beans, you don't have to go out and try to barter to get a scale. It's already, you know what the one pound is. So there's a million other dimensions to yeah. food preps other than the cost per pound. Thank you. Awesome soapbox. Come back to me here. All right. So I'm going to go on to the next question. And you're going to look at it, Glenn, and go, what is she talking about? I know what she's talking about. So Pam comes back and now asks the question. We said these are specific. We weren't kidding. We weren't kidding. She says, looking at USBX compared to USDV 32, period, just a tiny bit smaller, newer, 25% less expensive. Pam, good job being super efficient with words. Mm Mm-hmm. Could use a few more next time. <laughs> well, luckily there are search terms. Yes, there and are. And Shelby probably, I I'm looking at her guessing that she looked it up on the interwebs. I did because I didn't want to look dumb. So mm-hmm. here's what she's talking about. It goes back to the Avid Armor vacuum sealers. Avid Armor, to be honest with you, is a very good alternative to Food Saver. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about how we use Food Savers. What's cool about Avid Armor is they have a couple of different food uh, vacuum seal systems. Some of them are chambers. That, which is, they're kind of impressive. I'm going to tell you what right now, uh, Pam, I don't know the difference between the two, except to say these are not cheap machines. They're going to be in about the 250 to 400 price range. And we should have mentioned vacuum sealers at Costco are about 150 bucks. 150 bucks. So we're cheap. I just, I hate to say that, but. Well, we have four of them. Yeah. We (laughs) We have redundancy. We have layering of our so, vacuum sealers. So to our listeners, yes, we could have bought one for the price of the four. We get it. We get it. Okay. I will say this. Avid was not out 
Avid was not where they are right now when we were buying vac- the vacuum sealers yeah. that we have. So I'm not sure, to be honest with you, Pam, I would encourage if you are a patron and you're listening, jump in and answer her question. Mm-hmm. From what I can tell, Avid Armor, top quality. It mm-hmm. looks like good stuff. We have not used it and we can't say which one is the best. So she has another question. Yes. Pam says, on your Harvest Right freeze dryer, what version software are you running? Here's here's what's... <laughs> I don't know, point one. <laughs> Pam, I love you. Yeah. So Pam, here's the problem with... We love our freeze dryers. You've heard us say this. And I think we mentioned this one or two shows ago. Our freeze dryer, that's one of my... Actually, it was on the resolution show. What is my resolution? It's getting our freeze dryers up and running after being not... Dormant since dormant. 2020. Yeah, they've been sitting on the garage floor, one, waiting for the electrician to come and upgrade our electrical Here check. in Montana. We got that done. Getting an electrician to come to your house, you're on a waiting list. Mm-hmm. for Especially in Montana. Especially in Montana. Got that taken care of. Then right now we're in the coldest part of the year. We need to go. No one wants to go outside. (laughs) Nobody wants to go in our garage. We needed to do some construction to get them up on a countertop that can hold their weight and their size. Systems. It's a system. So that's what needs to happen. So our software is woefully out of date. However, when we do get them up and running, that will have to happen. So I can't tell you what the version is. It's prepping 2.0-2020. And to let everyone know what we're talking about software, there is software for a food freeze dryer. It governs how long it freezes, what the temperature is, what the drying thing is. It has all kinds of sensors to make sure that it's actually freeze dried. But you're probably wondering, what do I have to hook up a freeze dryer to the internet? No, you don't. Shelby, how does one update the software? This is what's really cool. Harvest Right, it's part of their just tech support where they are always updating and making their machines run better. And so, yes, it's got like a little computer inside of it. On the side of their machines, at least on the side of both of ours, there's a little USB port. Seems handy. So when they email me an update... This is Download the least. This is the last time I did it. Right now, they probably send it down through a satellite hooked up to Starlink. I don't know, because everything is so whiz bang anymore. But all you do is put you that, sounded so old when you I said know, that. I, I am sorry. So you download it onto a thumb drive and you stick it in your machine and it has to do an update. It's on the website. You can download the latest software, mm-hmm. put it on a USB drive, walk into, in our case, the garage put it in the machine and it goes do 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 doesn't make that and what noise. It, and honestly what it does is it you know it's your apple update you know when your phone turns off for a little while and doesn't update this updates and gets rid of little bugs and glitches along the way which is really cool your machine will always be running better so ours is woefully out of date i will probably yeah, have four to have years a, yeah i will probably have to have a conversation with tech support to get it done but um yeah i recommend if you have a hard strike keep your software up to date I'm going to let you take the next one from Ray the Grand. Yes, Ray, we love your questions. You are a Patreon question asking superstar. He says, food storage. Unfortunately, we don't have a basement or even a cool dark area for storage. Any suggestions in lieu of a basement or root cellar? Shelby is jonesing to answer this question. Couple of thoughts there. Think about a closet. So it's in an air conditioned part of the house. That's in a part of your house. The reason why I say part of your house is because within your home, your home is generally temperature regulated. Most people keep their home around 70 degrees. So if you can, one, keep whatever you have at 70 degrees and in the dark. Why? Because light destroys food, mm-hmm. which is why they t- keep it in a cool, dark place. That's so why beer comes in brown bottles. So Yeah, exactly. That's why a lot of medicine comes in brown mm-hmm. bottles. That's Beer is medicine. Yes, it is. Funnily enough, I don't understand why canning jars aren't more brown than clear glass, but that's just me. Anyway, so think about a closet, a designated closet. You're not going to be able to do too much in there. The other thing you can do is if you have like a spare room, put a blank, you know, stack up food, shelves, whatever, put a blanket in front of it, some sort of a blackout curtain blanket so that light from just regular light from windows and ambient light is blacked out. Another idea, and this is a example of thinking outside of the box, an example of thinking outside the box, 
rent a storage unit. Mm-hmm. And the dark part will be taken controlled. care of. Temperature controlled. It won't be perfect. I mean, it, you know, in the summer it might, I don't know, be 80 or something in there. It's not for like human habitation. Well, that's why I'm saying temperature control because food will degrade. Right. I'm right. saying though, if it's 100 outside, temperature controlled might mean it's 80 True. inside the rental unit. So it's not going to be perfect, but you know, we're not looking for perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is an idea, a storage place. You might, I don't know, friends and family. Of course, you got to really trust them. If you're saying, hey, hold on to my food, variety of reasons you need to trust them. Number one, they got your food. Number two, they know that you're of a mindset that is preparing and storing food. Those are some ideas. Ray, I'm not sure if you live in an apartment or, or on a piece of property. A new a shed. We did this when we lived in Western Washington. We had a new shed installed. And, and we did not chintz out on it either. We, we did not. $600 Home Depot sheds. They're not going to last terribly long. And they're not going to be, you're not going to be able to temperature control. I'm talking about a pretty good stout shed. If you can run electricity out to it, you've got some temperature Mm -hmm. control going on. So that's going to be a little bit higher up on the budget, but that's an option as well. However, Lindley responded to you and said, I use roller bins that fit under beds for extra food storage as long as rodents aren't an issue. I also use cotton netting bags and hang garlic onions in the pantry. I'll tell you what, roller bins under beds, under beds are and up in high parts of closets that you're never going to get to. Think of the closet, you know, in all the movies that you open up and the mother-in-law has boxes of shoes that go to the ceiling and right. So think about those high areas and closets that you can stack up. So just some thoughts there. I hope that kind of helped you out. You're going to have to think outside the box though, for sure. We also have in the book, a piece on storage in urban settings, but you knew we would. All right, so we only have a few more left. Mm-hmm. This is going to be perfect. So Matt Williams asks, do you have a favorite meal or dessert to put in the freeze dryer? I've got a lot of regular meals and sides packed away, and I'm ready to do something fun. And then we have a couple of responses here that I'll give. This is the standard answer. If you have dipped your toe into the freeze-drying world, there's people that go out and buy freeze dryers just to do this, which is insane to me. What is that thing? Skittles. Yeah. Why? When you put Skittles, well, first of all, let me just step back. We have a couple minutes to talk about this. Sugar does not freeze dry well. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you put sugar into a freeze dryer? It bursts. Bursts with flavor. Yeah. So if you put a piece of candy like Skittles into it, it bursts. And so you end up getting like a Cheetoed. Yeah. It's like a Cheeto it's Skittle. It's like a Cheeto Skittle. I know it sounds crazy. And you were talking about some people go to great lengths to do this. It's kind of the only thing they freeze dry. freeze dried. Yes. True story. I didn't even tell you this. I was in Olympia visiting Cole and at the mall in Olympia, they had a freeze dried candy store. It was nothing but Skittles and candy bars. Some things, I mean, Skittles are amazing. You have to taste it to believe it. One of the cool things about freeze-drying food, especially with sweet things, uh, Skittles and fruit, is that the freeze-drying makes the flavor more concentrated. So if you eat one freeze-dried Skittle, it's got the Skittle flavoring of like four or five. Yeah. So- Concentrated goodness. It's, here's what's really funny. So Joel, when Joel was younger, he was like in upper middle school, goes and visits his dad. We had just bought a freeze dryer, just done a couple of batches of Skittles, goes and visits his dad and his aunt gives him a bag of freeze dried Skittles for Christmas. And he's like, mom, look, she didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. part of the other question, Matt asks, favorite meal and favorite dessert. Mm-hmm. Favorite meal has to be scrambled eggs mm-hmm. because- it turned out so doggone well. It, and it's not like the most elaborate meal ever, but it was really tasty. It was really simple. It really worked. It was very practical. And that would be my main thing. Uh, freeze-dried chili we've I had. I was going to say That's chili. Chili is great. Oh my gosh, so good. I would say dessert-wise, one thing I've done is freeze-dried pumpkin pie. It turns out kind of too hard, mm-hmm. but it's almost like biscotti. And so dunk and it into like, something. It's like one inch squares. Cause yeah. obviously you can't do the whole thing cause surface area matters when it comes to freeze drying. So you cut it in one inch squares. Bite size, yeah. And what I was saying about the flavor being concentrated, it's like two squares of fresh pumpkin pie. Who would ever think that freeze dried food would taste better than fresh food? But it certainly does. Another thing that is spectacular in the freeze dryer is cut up ice cream sandwiches. Oh my, oh gosh. 
just you can't even describe how delicious it is. Matt, it's like a whole what level have you of done delicious. To us? We are now gonna yeah. go. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Those are so good. Yeah. Holy buckets! There's oh, like bananas. bananas. A banana oh, my, oh my gosh! Yeah. Which who was the guy on the team that's like? Do you have any? Will yeah. <laughs> no, it was Pow, and it was so funny because he was eating like a Ziploc bag of freeze dried bananas, and if you've had dehydrated bananas or banana chips, it's not the same thing. It's entirely different. Freeze- Dehydrated shrinks up into a chip. Yeah, and it, it takes on a different yeah. flavor and texture. Freeze dried is like a little banana Bana- pill, banana Cheeto. Yeah, and here's the thing though that was funny with Pal, because <laughs> you know he can eat. He's a big boy, <laughs> and so he eats this whole bag of freeze dried bananas. And then he's like, I'm really thirsty. And they started expanding in his stomach. Yeah, because he- You got to watch what you do with this stuff. Well, you can end up eating four or five bananas. Oh, like he ate about a bunch of bananas. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, don't bananas have like, it's not a- Potassium. Oh, gosh. He was probably having potassium poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I mean, there's so many good things. I would recommend that you also too listen back to our episode on freeze-dried foods with a representative from Harvest Right. We had this kind of conversation as well. So Beesky asks, our local farmer co-op kind of stinks. What are some of the best places to order bulk grains off of web-based stores? I live in a rural area, but have not found any place around that sells grains in bulk. I'll go back to a prior episode- Mm -hmm. Azure. A-Z-U-R-E. And look into your local LDS food pantry mm-hmm. store. Seriously, those are my two best bets. We did, uh, a, I think we did a video bonus show. Yes, we did on, which was available on Patreons, $5 and up. It was a couple of years ago on the LDS store. And let's just talk about the elephant in the room. When you go to an LDS food prep store like we have, they don't try to convert you to Mormonism. Nope. They, they're super cool, very nice people. They just want you to be preppers. Be prepared. And and the prices are great. The quantities are great. insanely great. And you find things there that you're not going to find anywhere else. Shelby was mentioning number 10 tins of wheat, number 10 tins of oatmeal. Where else are you going to find it? Highly recommend. And they have a great website. I just like LDS Food Pantry is what they call them. And go on there and find one in your area. You do not need to be a member of the LDS church. They might hand you a pamphlet and say, have a good day. They didn't That's even about, do that. I don't, they, no, uh, they, yeah, they, they didn't, didn't, didn't that even do that. Uh-huh. And we did an episode, by the way, in the past with uh, Ether, a uh, code name Ether. It was about LDS preppers and uh, the LDS church in a time of collapse. And there were some myths about LDS members. I think they were myths some good information. Uh, so we're not getting off on a different topic, but we are very friendly to the LDS church. We have mm-hmm. candidly, okay, controversy. Shelby and I have theological differences with the LDS church. And however, that's all. And that's all. However, yeah, we don't hate anybody. Nope. We don't exclude anybody. We, you know, we're not that, we're just not wired Life that way. Life is too short. Exactly. So now I think in just... We have less than a minute. We have so, less than a minute. You know what we should do? We should do the last question, which is a phenomenal one. Right. And mind I want, blowing. And I don't want to just, yeah, we're going to save that one for the after show. Yeah. We're going to save that for the after show. So folks, I hope you are excited as we are about our upcoming book. I hope these questions have been um, eye-opening and ooh, given you some things to think about as you're, as you're continuing to work on and, and fine-tune your food preps. But folks, as always, from Benjamin Franklin, don't forget, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Adios. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.